And today I am fortunate enough to be doing an interview with Argonauts Incorporated, aka the Jordan family. How are you guys doing? Wonderful. Awesome. So I'm very happy to be here. They were gracious enough to invite me into their home office here. So we are surrounded by cats and fish and it's amazing. I love it. (laughs) So um, first things first, just, oh, what's over there? Tortoises. And tortoises. They sneeze. (laughs) Sneezing tortoises, cats, and fish. This is amazing. Uh, first things first, I just want to hear a little bit about you. So just tell me a little bit about yourself. So you're a family, correct? Yes. Yes. Awesome. All of you said yes. Good. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got Russ, which is dad, right? Yes. All right. So Russ, tell us a little bit about you. Wow. Yeah. That, that's me right there. No. So, um, I've been under parent. A little bit about me right now, or what are you talking about? What do you mean? Yeah, just your background in gaming, or oh, where you yeah. from. Why do you matter to the gaming community, Dad? <laughs> what is relevant? I don't <laughs> stick to that. Um, I've been gaming probably since 1979. Nice, So, nice. Uh, I guess I'm the old man of the bunch. Okay. Uh, You're the forefront in our, in our experience. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I've dozens of our of rpg tabletop games uh-huh. and i always thought they were well i loved them as a as a kid and i loved them in high school and in college and in the military yeah it made it a great way to make friends and when i had a family i found it was a great way to spend time you know oh, yeah. spend time with them and figure out kind of how they were doing what they were doing <laughs> and things of that nature uh, yeah, I, some families have like family dinner every night, but mm-hmm. you could do that, or you could play games together. Yeah, so. it, we game uh, at least once a week when, uh-huh. as we were growing up. We tried to do that more often. Uh, as they got a little older, it became not as cool sometimes, <laughs> and then sometimes some of them really enjoyed it and some of them didn't. Yeah. But uh, just as for myself, uh, we decided to write this, uh, mm-hmm. write this game system. Uh, for all of us about six years back or so. Awesome. And okay. that's when we decided we were going to do it. And it was a project that I was going to do alone at first. Uh-huh. I bought a few people in. Uh-huh. And the girls came in afterwards. And they seemed to be, when it came down to real work, yeah. they're the ones that stayed. Your family, right? Yeah. So yeah. families stick together through it. That's awesome. And that's such a cool thing to be able to share with, your daughters that you raised in gaming to be able to create a game together. I think that's fantastic. And I think that the fact that uh, two thirds of this team here are women, hell yeah, that's amazing. You know, that's not something you see in gaming all the time. So I think that's pretty great. So very cool. And so next we have Dom, right? Dominique? Yes. I'm five of six. (laughs) (laughs) Specializing in arts and creative writing. Uh But no, most of the time we've done a my gaming used to be somewhat video games and board games, but then mm-hmm. the more I realized I like my creative mediums, the more I stuck around to RPGs, the more yeah. I wanted to do our tabletop ones, the more I delved into my playing pretend because yes. it's like, okay, so you've got these rules and I can still do whatever I want with it. That's wonderful. I can design characters. I can create stories. I can write down our adventures in a fun way. Yeah. And make little comics of us at the table that we all enjoy of our favorite moments and our favorite wonders. Uh-huh. <laughs> Legolas. <laughs> Legless. <laughs> Charlotte. 
We'll need to hear that story when we get to Charlotte. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I honestly, I've kind of always known that he was interested in doing something like this. Yeah. And I tried to keep my mind open to the possibility of how I could apply my art yeah. and writing skills and storytelling and a lot of things that he as a teacher mm-hmm. pointed out to me about mm-hmm. RPGs and a lot of my own skills. And it just seemed to naturally kind of meld together when it felt like, you know what, this is something I do want to do with him. Yeah. And something I can do to help him. So. Yeah. That's why awesome. Not? And it's mine now, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so like, and I own part of it. Huh? So you have a creative background and you mentioned storytelling. So were you involved in theater or anything like that? Yes. Yes. Uh, okay. In grade school, I didn't have theater classes. So it yeah. was mostly writing and what I did of my own self-teaching art. Uh-huh. Then middle school, they gave me the option, oh, you can do a theater class. And then when you're in high school, you can do all of the awesome stuff outside uh-huh. of that. So I'm like, sweet. Yes. <laughs> and I've said I was a theater kid too. And so I've always said to all of my friends that were in speech and debate or drama or any of those, like, if you're not role-playing why are you, why not? You know, like, I don't understand why you wouldn't get into something like this because as an adult, how often do you get to play pretend, exactly. you know, which is a very cool part of this. So awesome. And now we have Charlotte. Yes, I am six of six. I am the baby Argonaut here. Um, but it's funny because I'm also mama Argonaut. Yeah, yeah that's the baby. I have, <laughs> I have a big family too. Yes. Um, I have been gaming with my dad since I was six. So for me, this is something... I grew up with, um, so when they would ask, when I would ask my friends, hey, you guys want to come game? Like, what's gaming? And that's what I always called it. Uh-huh. I never knew for the longest amount of time until about high school that it was actually RPG tabletops. Yeah. I just said, we're gaming. We, we do it every weekend at our house. Like, yeah. we just play. Yeah. And then my friends would come over and they'd be like, you mean like D&D? This is nerd stuff. And I was like, <laughs> I was like what? I'm like, I grew up with this. This right. is just, to me, it was just like anybody else sitting down watching TV or yeah. doing other things like that with their family. So for me, I was like, well, it's yeah. not nerd stuff in our house. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But I also, I've always enjoyed gaming and I've always brought my friends into it as well. Uh-huh. Um, and then... Uh, for the business, uh, with me, uh, I'm actually very tech-savvy. I've always been the most tech-savvy in uh-huh. the entire family. So for me, um, doing the marketing of all of this was kind of actually the easiest part for me because also I do the social media, I handle all the accounts because yeah. I sit there, I look at that stuff all the time because it's uh-huh. also what I grew up with because that's my generation is sure. Facebook, MySpace. Yeah. All that stuff. And you like My And I like talking to people. <laughs> yeah. I have lots of friends. I love talking to people. That's always been um, my biggest thing as well. They've always called me the social butterfly because uh-huh. they can take me anywhere and I can go out and I can make a friend. Nice. So uh-huh. that was always the easiest part for me. Now, the leg story. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> um, about this legless story. Yes. It was actually in our test play for our game. Yeah, it was actually in the test play for our game, Terraform. Um, and, uh, my character, my dad's character blew a hole in the side of the ship Mm -hmm. and I had been shot in the leg by a huge, it was, uh, it was part of the blast radius. It was part of, it took your leg off. Yeah. And it took my leg off. Oh no. And I got sucked out into Uh space with 
my left leg gone. There are quite a few of those pictures that yes, we've drawn. But my character <laughs> was very narcissistic. Oh, so for okay. her, she lost her leg. And yeah. it was a huge deal to her. Yeah. But it's funny because in this world of high, like, sci-fi tech and everything, yeah. you can grow the leg back and they'll be like, yeah, yeah. like, it never happened. But still, my character always yeah. traumatized, by, was the traumatized by the experience and the knowledge. <laughs> I lost my life. Oh, no. <laughs> well, it's funny because at the table, I said, I'd rather die than live with just one leg. And then I got sucked out into space without a helmet. Died. Well, there you go. <laughs> yeah. She gets yeah. instant karma. It's hilarious. <laughs> Yes, it brings up a whole lot of fun situations for us. It, it does. I um, definitely do. Yeah, I'm excited to get into like the world building part of this game in a little bit because I know that you guys, six years worth put into it. That's amazing. So I'm excited to get into that. Um, before we do, Russ, you had mentioned that you've been playing since the late 70s, since like 1979, you said? <laughs> yeah. Yes. So a lot of people refer to the 80s as kind of the golden age of RPGs, right? Because that's when D&D was really big. If you watch Stranger Things, that's right. all about D&D and all of that. Uh, a lot of people, Richie Buzzkill is one of my co-hosts, he refers to right now as kind of the golden age of RPGs. So what was it like growing up with that and then now kind of seeing a resurgence of its popularity? And initially it was not very well met. Uh-huh. Uh, we'll, we'll start with that part. Uh-huh. Um, the adults, most adults, at the time it was getting a lot of negative press in the early 80s. Mm-hmm. And that's when they came out with the movie Mazes and Monsters with Tom Hanks. And yeah. The, the incident that they were talking about with the, the kids back east that were that were lost in the tunnels and everything else they were talking about. Back in the day, there was a more religious uh, mm-hmm. The satanic panic. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And uh, I went to a Catholic high school. Oh. So uh, <laughs> I wanted to start a D&D club. Uh, yeah. They didn't want me to. Weird. <laughs> I won. <Yay>. So <laughs> uh, we started a gaming club there in high school. Mm-hmm. And more towards the late 80s is when it became more accepted and more cool. We'd already had yeah. a club for about four years, about three or four years. Uh-huh. And then after I graduated, I don't know if they carried it on or forward or yeah. anything. I mean, they really didn't. We were kind of like the... We were kind of like the stepkids that they that they hid in the basement, you know. Yeah, that's what yeah. it really felt like half the time. Yeah. So, but other than that, I mean, now today, I think now the video games have taken more of it. I mean, mm-hmm. there are titans in the playground. You look at like D and D, Wizards of the Coast, and yeah. Pathfinder, things like that. They've made a whole different type of resurgence. I mean, it's just gigantic now. Yeah. Compared to what it was back in the day, it's like it's not cool. Like it wasn't cool at the time. Uh-huh. Um, I grew up in South Phoenix. Okay, it's kind of it was a little rougher. You know, you, yeah. don't, you don't go out to the cholos and the bros out there and say, "Yeah, you know, like, hey man, let's roll some dice." Yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, roll some dice to them with something different in the day. <laughs> right. Yeah. So yeah. and uh, I didn't, I didn't fit in. Uh-huh. So in order to nerd out or whatever, I had to go find all the all the hiding geeks and mm-hmm. bring them out and the say, undercover hey, geeks, the undercover geeks, yeah. and bring them out. And that's it was. Difficult, but we we started a club, uh-huh. and there were at least ten of us. Uh-huh. And we we just kept growing. Yeah, yeah. But the hardcore core of the group, they were, you know, we played every day. Yeah, every day, all the time. We had D and D parties over the well, gaming parties because it wasn't just D and D that we played. Yeah, over the weekends. Uh huh. So we'd start on Friday and on Sunday. 
So, and, and it was like, you know, play as long as you can stay awake. You right. Know, <laughs> pass out, wake up. No, no. I, yeah. You know, I saved against that. You right. Know, kept going. <laughs> Save against sleep. Yeah. Mountain Dew helps with that. So, that's your plus one. Cases. Awesome. <laughs> cases. Like yes. Oh, I'm sure. She's got a sponsorship. So, cool. Okay. I've, I've always wondered about that, what it would have been like to see all of the different ebbs and flows of how the gaming industry's been. So, um, Charlotte, you... I saw on your profile you are seen as the classy murder hobo. Yes. <laughs> That's one of the uh, kind of nicknames that you have is... Yeah. Murder hobo. Yeah, so how did... How, what what makes you classy? What makes you a classy murder hobo? Well, my character has done... Uh, well, in different not games that we've characters. played... Characters. Yeah, characters, <laughs> not just one. Uh, many of them have done some very classy... Uh, murders and assassinations and one of them was completely by luck um it was actually in our zombie game that we play um i had gone down into the basement Mm -hmm. and it was filled with a whole bunch of bad people Uh and uh we were trying to sneak through Mm -hmm. and i was like you know what I'm like, you know, I'm like, I'm just going to go for it. And it's always when I have those moments of, I'm just going to go for it. Uh, <laughs> I went through and killed almost 20 people in that room. Oh, wow. Without more? I don't remember how many. <laughs> yeah. It's like River from Firefly. Oh, it was like 60. It was I killed. six people over in that room. Yeah. Holy and shit. I murdered all of them without them ever noticing. Without waking uh-huh. them up. Yeah. <laughs> she went. She works like an infiltrator in that game. Yeah, yep. And it wow. was very... We did not want to be slave traders. Most of them <laughs> were sleeping, and I just went by, and I went, okay. I was like, well, let's see how many I can kill. If I make it out, I make it out. If I don't, uh-huh. I don't. And uh, it was good, because uh, our entire group made it out after that. Nice. She That's was like, awesome. I'm walked out. Yeah, and I'm just uh, really thinking... I'm picturing River from Firefly, where she goes... You know, in Serenity, I guess, is when she goes crazy against the Reavers, so... Yep, yep. and that's almost kind of what I imagine, too, especially the the last group of five that happened to be awake that I snuck past uh-huh. were playing cards at a round table, and I went and I jumped on the table, and I just took all their heads at one time. My dice were really happy They were that hot night. That Yes, <laughs> they were. <laughs> it's always nice. It's frustrating when you're trying to do cool shit and your dice is not... Uh, oh, I've had so, that happen many times. Oh, yeah. <laughs> For I, sure. No, I, I the most particular thing about that, as the GM at the time, I uh-huh. remember, I didn't let her kill them in groups. As she killed them, I rolled to see if people would wake up. Okay. So she had to roll uh-huh. consecutively throughout all the... Uh-huh. Well, a couple times to come close uh-huh. to being discovered. Uh-huh. And I kind of figured, I thought that maybe at the end she might let those last guys get away because they didn't know the rest of them were gone. Yeah. No, she said she's in. Get them all. It's like well, evil version of Pokemon. Right. <laughs> Gotta kill them all. Yeah. Yep. Awesome. And that has happened in quite a few games actually where my character just went, you know what? Yep. I'm gonna go for it. Yeah. <laughs> Might as well. And that is why they started calling me the murder of hope. Yeah. <laughs> and a lot of her characters like to be posh. Mm-hmm. Okay. In yeah. the regular play when yeah. they're talking to everybody else and everything like that. Uh-huh. So she's, she's the classy one. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, the classy so, murder hope. Classy exactly. murder So I'm classy outside. I sit there. My character will do negotiations and everything and uh-huh. go to the fancy parties. But when we're getting down and gritty in there, I will definitely kill everyone in the room. That's awesome. So classy murder. 
murder hobo. So fantastic. Okay. Um, so Terraform is your first game, right? This is the one you've been working on for six years. It's your first game, correct? It, it is the first one that's coming out. We okay. have a series of five games all based on the same system. Awesome. So the system is basically designed so that you can select a character, and the character were incidentally dropped in any one of them. Mechanics flow all the way across all the five systems. Very cool. Okay. So uh, I definitely want to hear more about the other genres, but Terraform is the first one. Yes. Awesome. Okay. So with Terraform, uh, give us a very brief elevator speech. Like, we're going to get into the details when it comes to mechanics and world building Mm -hmm. stuff, but if you were to give kind of a just real quick synopsis of what Terraform is, what would you say? My version of it pretty much is this. Uh, It's it's more Blade Runner. Okay. With a sprinkle of, uh, well, with a heavier hit of aliens, uh-huh. and a sprinkle of Ghost in the Shell, mm-hmm. and Event Horizon. Nice. Okay. So it's kind of like a horror sci-fi type feel then? And that's it the world be. you oh, can be, okay. yes. That's why he brings up the, the Blade Runner part of uh-huh. it, where you can keep it in a dystopian kind of feeling. Yeah. Where you have the social issues, or uh-huh. you can take it to the exploration part that brings in more horror. Yeah. So, well put. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Very cool. Okay. Um, so that's the world building part of it. As far as the the actual mechanics of the game, is this a brand new system you created, or is it piggyback yes. off anything? Or no, no piggyback. I decided. To, I mean, I've played a lot of different systems. Yeah. And I, I love them. D and D will always be my first. You never forget your first. Right. <laughs> so it's this kind of. You know, I like the polyhedron dice. I like to not just stick with only. Only the percentile. Or, yeah. So we use all the dice in, in, in the system on purpose. Cool. Okay. And we, we borrow, you know, it's all gaming. So we borrow like ideas or the thought of a few other things. We use the D20 for attacks. Yeah. Percentile for um, skills. For skill sets and things of that nature. Okay. Uh, we go with our own version of, of combat. I design combat specifically with the system in mind mm-hmm. that. We have a, the system breaks down into three main key portions. Okay. That's what we call QV, which Mm -hmm. is our quick version. Mm -hmm. It's the easiest format of the game to play. And people who've never played a game before, with simple explanation, they will, it's easy for them to follow. Okay. Uh, On all our test plays, and at RenCon, CocoCon, Game On. on, Uh uh, Yeah, you guys have been busy. I've seen you a lot at the local (laughs) con circuits, so that's been awesome. We were out at, uh, I was out in Utah just last week, uh-huh. last weekend, uh-huh. and played out there, and they're like, this is simple for no one who's never played before. Very I tried cool. to boil it down as easy as I could. Uh-huh. There's majorly, like, two different things. People play a rules-light system yeah. or rules-heavy system with, yes. with, with gaming. The crunch. And we wanted to get away from either what, or. What the actual either or and yeah. the confinement of it. Uh-huh. So we designed it as a rules-heavy uh-huh. We call that the dynamic portion of the system, okay. where everything is detailed and detail-oriented yeah. uh, for, the people, for the players and enjoy the new one. Yeah. And then we reverse-engineered it all the way back to the raw basics, the least amount of rules, and what you need to know about the system, mm-hmm. which is QV. Okay. So we go QV, and then as you want, you can add in the rules and the dynamics as you want, all the way up to a full-blown rules heavy. Awesome. Okay, so, and Dom, you said it's in one book. Awesome. Okay, yeah. so you basically took it and said, okay, if I wanted to get into this, I like rolling the dice, I like this, you know, seven-page character sheet or whatever, like, I really like to get into it. You can do that, but if you're someone who likes 
to just quick pick up and go. Like if you're playtesting it, for example, at a con, you can do that as well in the same book. Yeah. Yes. Okay, that's awesome. And then anything in between that they decide they want to do. Anything mm-hmm. in between that they want to cool. do. So it sounds like a really flexible system. Extremely flexible. Very cool. That's all it's all about. Awesome. Okay. So uh, speaking of the playtesting, I, I, like I said, I've seen you out and about at the local conventions quite a bit. Like it seems I turn around, I'm like, there's the Terraform banner. I've seen that before. Um, <laughs> so in addition to playtesting here, you got to playtest in Japan, right? Yes, for four months. For four months. Very yeah, cool. Okinawa. How did that go? And how did that come up? Like how did you even get to playtest in Japan? That's pretty cool. Uh, one of our sisters is stationed out there, and oh. there was a bit of a medical situation. Our brother-in-law got injured while okay. training for an event, so okay. he went out and helped out there with the family that was there and made some friends. Awesome. So Yeah, while you're there, pass the time, play some games. <laughs> it's fun to make friends. Right. Always gamers everywhere. Oh, everywhere. Yeah, it's yeah. universal. Yeah, but being out there at, at Okinawa gave me, you know... Work with the family, help with the family, and then there were other things to do. I was still writing on it, uh-huh. and I decided that while I was here, let's take it to a group of people who had never heard of it, never seen it, uh-huh. and then see what happened, and uh, put a call out to players, and like 11 showed up on the first, on wow. the first thing. Nice. And most of the players, being in the military, I played while I was in the military, sometimes you get eight players at the table, sometimes yeah. you get ten, sometimes you get six, sometimes mm-hmm. you get ten, you know? It depends on what week and what typhoon was coming through right. that week. Being in Japan, yeah. So yeah. it you know, it was we played test played it at three different three different locations that were there. Uh-huh. So I had Kappa Castle. Yeah, Kappa Castle. Shout out to Kappa Castle. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I got to play there. Yeah. Oh, nice. Okay. And it was wonderful for them to host us uh-huh. at that point. We were also at a uh, Futema, uh-huh. uh, Futema base, and it was also over at. I played over at Kadena Air Force Base while I was there. Okay. And but that but playing with all those groups of individuals that allowed me to get different different tastes and everything. Mm-hmm. Trying to find someone to, to really talk real shop with. Yeah. With, with like mechanics. Yes. Has always been really interesting and very hard to find. Yeah, because it seems like when someone is in the game creation type arena. Uh, they kind of hold those secrets a little close to their chest, right? So oh, trying close. to find other creators to talk to and bounce ideas off of was probably pretty difficult. It's like inside their chest. They will not let go. Yeah. Like they, they breathe it out. They, they think that you're going to steal it. And it's like, yeah. not trying to steal it. I just give me an idea of uh-huh. what we're talking about or what direction did you kind of go in. Yeah. But they helped me there in Okinawa with a... With one problem that I, I thought I was having the most, and it was a pretty simple solve once someone else who really knew something yeah. would, would talk to me. Uh-huh. You know, big Dave was a big guy that, that, that helped me out there, and Robert. Uh-huh. Love Robert and Dave. You got to meet Big Dave. Yeah. Uh, big Dave was uh, <laughs> also an, an SCA, a fellow SCAer. Nice. And SCA Society for Creative Anachronism, right? Correct. So, fantastic. Correct. That's very cool. And Robert, Robert had a literally a van full of gaming equipment oh, they, yeah. you know, he's a gm a gm gm i mean yeah all kinds of system home grown books and everything else like that mm-hmm. literally a, a van oh that's of, awesome that's like <laughs> living the dream that would be fantastic <laughs> that's what they did I, I think the system was really really good for the players uh-huh uh, the ones at Kappa Castle, like I said, they were very gracious when they played. 
we intend to include their their characters uh-huh. in the book. Actually, oh cool, yeah. So they're another party that that made history. History, we'll call it that. Good history, stuff. yes, that's awesome. Very cool. Um, so one of the things that I saw when you were talking about the world that you've created for this and. You've mentioned either dystopian or exploration. Like, there's a few different ways you can take this world that you've created. Uh, one of the kind of slogans were the only flags we fly are corporate logos. Mm-hmm. So how wh- how did that come about? Like, what does that mean to you guys? Well, it's because the way the societies shifted after a couple of extraterrestrial invasions, mm-hmm. uh, the way we reasoned it out for our story is that humanity decided it wasn't about country borders anymore. It was yeah. about who was going to be able to fund different things that we needed. Uh-huh. Resources, equipment, li- like safe living spaces after yeah. our environment had been contaminated, things like that. Yeah. So it became more about the company uh-huh. that you worked under, the culture that you brought in with the job you had. Yeah, cool. Than anything else. Uh-huh. So the major, the way the system, like the people are broken up are by the companies that they work for. There's like a top 25 uh-huh. conglomerate that's called Ceres, and that's like the governing body of the system uh-huh. that watches from the inner system to the outer reaches of humanity. Yeah. Like basically our solar system, but like the fringe edges of it. Uh-huh. So it's it's just the way we restructured ourselves. Mm-hmm. Because companies have different policies yeah. on how to be respectful of beliefs and development for people. Uh-huh. So following the money in war, times of war, yeah. but also the needs of the people uh-huh. just seemed to be a way that fit yeah. and that just worked better for the way everything plays out with the way we had our history and the technology that we were going for and the way just felt better with the story. Yeah. And that kind of felt like a natural flow even too, because yeah. that way it was about who has what territory based uh-huh. on what supplies they needed, what they could hold on to. And eventually it wasn't an exact monopoly because you'd have other like mom and pop companies that would start gathering more phones for competition. And like, yeah. We need more money. We need more variety. So we're just going to keep encouraging this. Yeah. So, the natural kind of reach of capitalism. Yes. So right. Yeah. It was like, sounds familiar. Yeah. Sounds like somewhere we might be headed. Mm. So <laughs> yeah, yes. that's very cool though. Like just hearing about the world that you guys have created with this is awesome. I really like it. So uh, would you say that the world creation or the mechanics are more, like, what are you more proud of? The mechanics you've created or <laughs> the world you've created? Because I feel like you've spent a lot of just your heart and soul into both of these things. So what would you think is the most important to you? Uh, for me, I would definitely say the world. And that's mm-hmm. because uh, I haven't, uh, I played test the mechanics, uh-huh. but when it comes to me when I play, um, helping create the world has been amazing. Yeah. Because part of our experience as a family sitting there, gaming has what has been what created the world itself. Yeah. So, yeah. for me, that's why the world is really important. Uh-huh. But I know for him, he was <laughs> very... Me- he was very... He was the mechanic. He was primary mechanic on that. <laughs> yeah. I I'm, I feel like I'm evenly split, not just because I'm in the middle right. of the two right now, but <laughs> because... I understand that the way we developed a lot of mechanics came from the way we saw our world being. Okay, yeah, that Trying makes sense. to make it realistic expectations of what you would get from different technologies, from yeah. different bodies, from different people, the way they come up with solutions to things. Uh-huh. That influenced and helped us develop how 
realistic or how drastic we wanted our rules to play out. Yeah. So there is, we, we tried to bring in a lot of the science to the science fiction of this. Yeah. So all of our mechanics could feel like this is a realistic possibility that people who are science geeks would get right. behind. I, and I am one of those, so I appreciate that. I saw that actually <laughs> in one of the things I was reading, you were saying that there's actual science in this. Like you made sure the science in your science fiction and this was yeah. real. And I think that's fantastic. So anyone who's uh, more science in your science fiction, this is good for that. We want the physics. We want the chemistry. We want all yeah. of it to make sense in a way that makes sense. Yeah. That's kind of the reason for having a GM and having something like that. It's something that everyone can kind of agree at, at the table. Yeah. Even, you, know, you, you always have someone who wants to punch hard, who wants to be fast. Who wants well, to be yeah. This, but you got to have the rules that balance everybody's strengths out. Yeah. So if it's something that's a real principle all of us can go by, uh-huh. it's just easier that way. Yeah. And Russ, I saw something where you were saying uh, if you are missing 20% of the time on something, if your character is missing 27, 20% of the time they go to hit something, would they still be considered an expert? Because in reality... That's an 80%. That's like a B minus, you know what I mean? Yeah. So would you still be considered an expert in that type of situation? The teacher know? says it in those terms. Yes. He grades people. Yes. 70's not passing. Right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> You'll skid by. You are, yeah. But you're not passing. passing. Right. And you, so you are a school teacher in your past, correct? Uh, high, a little bit of high school, mostly okay. college. Okay. I taught college for 10 years, so uh-huh. it's, it's different. Yeah. <laughs> there, there's not much of a difference between some of them, because some just left high school. They're just True, it, yeah. And some think that they're ready for the world. But it's, it's good, it's good. We're just trying to help them out. Yeah. I, going along with what Dom and Charlotte have both said, yeah. uh, my main thing has been it's 40 years of eclectic gaming. Because <laughs> I mean, I've played Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, <laughs> you know, Eastman Laird's game back, yeah. in, back in the day. I've, I've played... Uh, 007, I've played Paranoia, I've played D&D, I've mm-hmm. played Gamma World, I've played, you know, trying to take an eclectic view of, like, all the different systems I've played, Champions, yeah. other things like that. As we started going, I had a lot, when I wanted, wanted to design the world, I had a lot of uh, information to fall back on. Yeah. I had a lot of experiences. On what did I what did I really like, or what I think was really beyond, was, I probably would never have thought of that on my own. Right. To experiences just to draw from. Mm-hmm. I think those those help me to build the world a lot more. The science part of it is that what's well, the science brain. My background is biology, okay. science, yeah. genetics. I'm like, oh yay! You know, the more nerdy, the the better. The better you know, <laughs> quality of yes. nerds you can do. Yes. So my wife will find me, you know, deep in my den. Yeah. You know, just the glow of the computer and me and the, you know, I'm in the light. <laughs> and she's looking at me like, well, what are you looking at now? And I'm like, well, I'm, I'm looking up, the, you know, the, you know, round round trajectories. And, you know, <laughs> you know, I'm looking up all the, you know, bullet coefficients. And yeah. she's like, no one's going to ask you that. And someone actually did ask me that. So there. Uh, so, I mean, but, but listening, you know, I like to ground, I like to, all right, we are playing... We are playing fantasy role, well, role playing game. Yeah, we have to. I want to ground a little bit of as much of reality into it, so the players can attach themselves to it. Yeah, as they play. Uh-huh. So it needs to make it needs to make sense. Not everything can be based on just magic, you know. Yeah, because so, magic. That's I love what... magic. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, I think magic is wonderful. Yeah. Wait till you wait till you get a glimpse of our magic system later. <laughs> but it's like uh, I, I love. I, I just love to see the the, me- the mechanics of it flow. 
congruently. Uh-huh. And I found that with even the older systems, with a lot of systems, it was their downfall. Uh-huh. Mechanics, they, they, they break down. Yeah. And I'm trying to get the players to break the game. Yeah. I really want to see them try and break the game. Yeah. And I've been alerted to a couple of things, but nothing that's been game-breaking. Yeah. And nothing that has been, okay, this, how do I solve this? Yeah. And I think that, you know, for the mechanic side of it, I should be able to plug something in at any point, and it should always come out. Yeah. It should, always, it should flow. A I shouldn't function. have to do a, an extra fix just at this just at this level or just for this class. Yeah. It should always flow. Yeah. All the time. Okay. So it sounds like the mechanics part of it, you took your love of all of the different games that you've been playing and you're like, these are the things I like, put it in a way that it works, really research the science behind it to make sure the mechanics are solid. Mm -hmm. But then you were able to also create this world kind of off of that saying, if this is what I want my mechanics to do, then this is the world I should create. If this is what I want this world to be, these are the mechanics I should have with it. So very cool. Awesome. Yeah, I like that. And you're obviously a sci-fi fan, right? Oh. Okay. Yes. <laughs> what is that pin? By the way, he has a Star Trek Old pin guard. on his hat, <laughs> which, as you know, I do a Star Trek podcast, big Star Trek fan, so he immediately gained points with me for his hat. That is amazing. <laughs> so um, so this game, the way that you're trying to get it out into the world right now is through Kickstarter, correct? Yes. yes. We're trying, yes. Yes. It's been work. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Kickstarters are... Definitely work, and um, for an independent company like this, where it's your first game, it's yes. yeah, a um, lot of work to go into that. We're really trying to get the word out. Yeah, just so people. I don't get me wrong. Uh, people are loyalists to a degree. Oh yeah, uh-huh. you know they, they play something, and, and that's what they you know that's what they are. That's what yeah. they're doing. And you know, you know, you get a hardcore person that plays D and D. You want to play Pathfinder? No, go to hell. Right. You know? <laughs> it's that kind of a thought. You yeah. know, no, I only play. You know. Right. You know, whatever it is, car wars or whatever mm-hmm. they're doing at the time. Yeah. So I, I think that it's, that when we talk to people, they they want to play. And it seems that every place that we've gone to, when, when the people get to the table, once they start playing, they don't leave. Yeah. I mean, every place that we go, they always kick us out at the end. Yeah. Uh, the people are like, well, you guys, you guys are coming back tomorrow, right? And it's right. like, yeah, we'll come back tomorrow. You know, and mm-hmm. then they show up again. Yeah. And then they bring a friend or something. It's it's a slow process, but it's yeah. a process. I think this is a better format for that. Imagine that technology, right? You know, of, yeah. of a podcast, right? So, <laughs> Something like that, like yeah. an actual play to get people to hear it being played. Things like that would yeah. be very cool. Bought to us by you, yeah. through Charlotte, our there you social go. <laughs> media person. Imagine that. Yeah. So. Hmm. Something to think about. Um, so it sounds like a lot of the feedback you've gotten has been pretty positive. Yes. Because every time I've walked past at a local convention, your table's been packed. There's been a lot of people at them. Um, I had the privilege. Your game was full already because it's full every time. But I got to kind of sit there and watch it being played. And everyone was having so much fun. And that's, to me, one of the most important things. If you're sitting at my table, I want you to be having fun when I'm running a game. So even though it's kind of a serious sci-fi and horror is not something that you generally have a lot of fun ha-ha with, but everyone seemed to be having a really good time, and I think that's great. So um, with what do you think that the barrier is translating between them playing and going on Kickstarter and supporting this? I would say it's just the fact that we're really unknown. Because when people come, they recognize our banner. People who've never met us before, Game On Expo, started seeing us at other conventions, are like, dude, you should play this. You should sign up to play this. We should come back here and do this. Yeah. 
but it's just the fact that as a company and as a people in the gaming community, we don't have a strong presence. Yes. We yeah. don't have a large following and yet two thirds of us are really <laughs> introverted. So that's a little right. different for us, but, uh, Overall, it's just been trying to talk enough, get uh-huh. enough ears to listen, finding the right connections that'll help us be a better part of the community, not yeah. just a stronger or a louder voice, but something people want to keep around because that's what matters. If we want to do one book, mm-hmm. it, we want it to matter here. This yeah. is where we play. This is where we live. This is a community that we want to be part of. Yeah. And, you know... We'd like it if our book went somewhere besides Arizona, but yeah, this is what we have to work with right now, yeah. and we want to do more of that. I feel like that's been the biggest barrier, because yeah. the people that come and see us, it's not a question to them. Yeah. They're like, we like this. Yes. We want to see this. Uh-huh. It's just how many more people, how many more does that really get out to? Yeah. That's the, that, I think, is the real barrier for us, because yeah. we haven't had enough to really show larger groups of people. We haven't had the opportunities to see more than 10 people at a time. Right. More than 20 people that know it from one convention sort yeah. of thing. Yeah. So that, that, that we're trying to work on. <laughs> yeah. And with Kickstarter, I mean, your profile on Kickstarter shows that this is the first one that you've created. Mm-hmm. So it shows that you're kind of a newer profile on Kickstarter, which some people can be a little gun shy because there's a lot of RPGs out on Kickstarter, you yeah. know? Yeah. So... Also, if you look at them, your the cost of your stuff is about two times ish what you would see on some of the other ones. Yep. So, what would you say to someone who sees that and is a little gun shy? Well, we're not doing three books for GM players and monsters. We're uh-huh. doing one book that's got all of those components. We've yeah. got a quick version through the dynamic play for each of those components. So instead of paying for three separate books, you're it's... paying for one book right. together with everything. Okay. How big is this book? Like how big? It's... 350 to 400 pages. It's going to be yeah. cool. Okay. We don't have a final count with yeah. all the art yet, but yeah. content wise, it's at least 350. Okay. Already. And, and each uh, we have you know, with this book, it, you only need one book to play with any of our system pieces. Yeah. Like we're saying, and the first book terraform, and, uh, this first book actually starts you off in the solar system. Mm-hmm. And it, arrange, it, it shows you the layout and the land of who's in charge, what are the corporations like, and yeah. you know, territory-wise as to what's going on. Gives you the history of what's happened to Earth in the year 2670 to you know to now. I'm like doing the math in my head. I was like, how far off is that? Yeah. 2670. Mm-hmm. How long do we have? Okay. Uh, 600 years at least. Yeah. <laughs> 650. And the, 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 whole, the whole progress of it that that first book is is set up to show people that our second book is mostly been has already been mostly written already, uh-huh. so it's oh. going to come out very soon uh-huh. after the first book comes out. Yeah. So uh, it was part of our business plan initially mm-hmm. to not have not have the the customers, not have the players, not have the people wait uh, another half a year uh-huh. or another year for another book. Yeah. We'd want to start almost immediately uh-huh. and once the one book comes out the other book will be about ready almost nice and okay then we'll just have to just get the art done for the second mm-hmm. book yeah. the third book you know the second book takes on not just a system but immediately outside the system in a part of the uh, sector of the galaxy uh-huh. and the third book takes you outside the galaxy and into other spaces beyond that uh-huh. but from any one of the books you can run you can run from beginning to, to start you don't need any of them 
They all oh. have the same format. Yeah. Player section, GM section, world section. Yeah. That's it. Nice. Okay, very cool. And you had mentioned, like, magic. So, uh, is there, or do you have, like, a high fantasy type that yeah, you're going to try uh, and bring into this? That's or? more towards, like, the edges of the third book. Okay. In Terraform, because, you know, we have our genres. Yeah. And it's not really till you get beyond, like, epic level playing that you start finding where the fringe between a lot of things really is. Yeah. So for sci-fi, you're not you're not paying attention to magic at first. Right. You're not paying attention to extra dimensional beings if you don't have to. Yeah. Until you get out of that comfort zone. Yeah. So. Yeah. As, as Dom said, I'm trying not to throw out level. spoilers. Oh yeah, no, don't spoil anything. <laughs> I'm not to spoil anything. As Dom says, like epic level, uh, epic level playing. I, I think is just how the is just the type of of scenario and storyline that's set out for the people. Mm-hmm. It's not a level thing. When it comes to, oh, i got to be 30th level to do this. Yeah. That's what you're comfortable with when you, when you want to step outside your pond. Yeah. You know, that's kind of what, what the players are. Because there's always Ooh, more yeah. out there. There uh-huh. is more out there. Yeah. So, I mean, when, when you see that, like I said, there are three books for the whole part of the system. Uh-huh. We don't need 15 books. I mean, we are writing modules. Yeah. If people want to explore some of the lore that happens in there, uh-huh. you'll hear names that keep popping up. Yeah. like a the VC-12, uh-huh. and VC-12 is the Venus Colony 12. Okay. And, a, and that is our first module. Fahrenheit the, Gate. The Fahrenheit Gate. Nice. Which we've already written. and uh-huh. That's one of our, that's one of the things we've been test playing with. Too. Yeah, we've been test okay. playing with the Fahrenheit Gate out there. Yeah, that's and, the one I saw, was you guys were playing Fahrenheit Gate. Okay. And, and you know, like I said, our first con, it was a learning experience for us. Oh, yeah. A, a yeah. learning curve. And we've learned... A lot more, but we're building also at the same time six more modules. Okay. And Fahrenheit Gate's like a fifty-one page module. Nice. Okay. Without art. Without art, right? We, and we do have art coming into it. So, uh-huh. Okay. I I like for people to have the information. Yeah. So that the GM can do what they want. Uh, as a GM, I feel that if the players decide that you know what we're not doing this, take the spaceship, turn left. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, go. Okay. Go, go do that. It's your choice. As, yeah. I want to see where the players go. Yeah. Uh, I always want, they need to lead their own, their own adventure. Yeah. I'm and just, have the freedom to do that. Have freedom to do that. That's yeah. what I really think. Yeah. You know. Awesome. Yeah. But, That's good to, to get that as a creator, I think, is to be able to create something that gives the freedom to do that, because some of them don't. So, um, so the artwork, you mentioned that. So you got Tony Parker to do the artwork for the cover on this book, right? Yes. Awesome. So Tony Parker, comic book artist, he's he's great. Uh, Chin Potter did some of the other mm-hmm. artwork, and did. you did, Dom. I've done a little bit, not a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a little self-conscious about that, but you know what? I'm putting, I'm organizing it and putting it together and trying to direct everything that we have. Yes. So. <laughs> awesome. Cool. So the, how did you how did you get Tony Parker to do the artwork for part of it? He was my teacher actually oh, over nice. at Phoenix College for a few years. Cool. And wasn't officially mentor, but I mm-hmm. act, I believed in him as a mentor. I took yeah. his word on because his teaching style was very much not open, but it was what you need to hear about being yeah. a self-motivated artist in a more graphic design uh-huh. way. So it was it was just he 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 went from teacher to friend and mentor and then yeah. like we told him about what we were doing and asked him if he'd be interested. Yeah. Because we'd love to have somebody who's got wicked art yeah. and comic skills. Yes. Particularly because that's more of the feeling that we wanted to go with the sci-fi. Yeah. To give it more of 
hard lines that you'd see in a uh-huh. comic book. A lot of drastic contrast so people can get more of that dramatic flair uh-huh. to what they're staring at. Yes. Because there, there's a lot of different ways to do art, and we see it all the time in game art. A lot of people love doing intense photorealism. Yeah. A lot of digital art that looks really amazing. Yeah. Well, we got a lot of information. Yeah. We have a certain budget. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we have these friends. Yeah. What really works best for what we want people to look at Yeah. first? Because... Like I said, there's a dystopian feature to the world that we've built. Yeah. Where you have these beautiful things with the rich people. Yes. And these pretty standard, pretty cut and dry. Yeah, you're poor. So this right. is what you can afford. This yeah. is your coffin rocket. This is your little box that you sleep in. Uh-huh. And, you know, maybe if you can afford food, you can have an organic body that you can feed. Well, then. <laughs> yes. Kind of a feel. Live in the dream. <laughs> and for, like. No, he he asked my opinion on it, and I'm like, uh-huh. I don't know if I'll be able to crank out everything we need for this one book on my own. Yeah. So if I'm going to take anybody, I'm going to take from the person who's been men- like who's been mentoring me, the person who's been teaching me everything I've yeah. learned about developing my art beyond a certain point, mm-hmm. and how to make storytelling effective in yeah. the book because we have a lot of history. We've created a world, and it's not just this, 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 and this is how the world works. It's this world works because there's a story to it. Yeah. And having someone like Tony Parker who has storytelling down and practiced in a comic-like structure with that style, it just made sense to me. Oh, yeah. I'm I'm rambling about it, but it just really felt like No, it's (laughs) (laughs) fine. Yeah, I thought that was awesome. I love Tony Parker. And it's you were talking about wanting to kind of get roots down in the community here, you know, Mm -hmm. like in the gaming community. And I would argue that the art community and the gaming community could and should be kind of intertwined. You know, you want that artwork in your games. And a lot of people will buy books based on the artwork that's in it. So Mm -hmm. I think that the artwork that goes into it is very important. So another way for you guys to really get those roots in, I think, is to get in with the art community. So it's awesome that you were able to get local artists and get them involved in your project as well. So that's fantastic. Mm -hmm. Um, What... I know that you have some some modules and other books to kind of expand the world that you've already built, but what future plans do you have if the Kickstarter doesn't fund, which I would hate to say that I, I don't want this to not get out there because I just seeing you guys play it and seeing what I've seen about it, I love this. And I would hate for an unfunded Kickstarter to stop that. So what plans do you have if that if it doesn't go through, yeah. try again. Good. Okay. <laughs> Good. <laughs> this yes. time we'll have more ears. More people will know about us before the campaign. Yeah. And more people will have experienced our playing, too. Yeah. Uh-huh. And the way our game works. That way it's just more of a, you know what? We didn't have all of this before, but every time we try, we get a little bit more. Yeah. Just yeah. gotta work on that. Yeah. We're gonna push that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Sorry. Well, also, part of that is... Um, while we've been doing the Kickstarter, we have been going to more places. Yeah. We've been gaming. My dad has been running games at Imperial Outposts and at oh, Samurai okay. Comics. Uh-huh. So, um, so we're trying to get more game sessions out there throughout the week at other locations and everything uh-huh. to also get in more of those people. So oh, yeah. now that we're, we're doing that, we actually are getting more people to know about what we're doing. Cause yeah. then also we have all the events we've been going to. Yeah. As well. Uh-huh. So that's something we will definitely have if, of course, if it doesn't fund next time around is that we do have all these people now. 
that yeah. we've been seeing that we've been playing with consistently and then we've also been going to more events as well yeah where people can see us and new people come in like hey we've seen you over here uh, so yeah. yeah and hopefully with podcast recognition more people who aren't in arizona will become curious true and ask questions yeah and see if there's other connections we can make in that way yeah yeah but still yeah definitely i know um full metal rpg for example um, we have listeners, like, in other countries and stuff, too. So if this gets out there for people that love RPGs, like, go check out their shit. Like, <laughs> go look at their website. Look at the Kickstarter. Um, there's there's so much there, and it's awesome what you guys have done. So I, I want the word to get out about this because I really love it, and I know you guys do, too. So what were you going to say, Russ? Oh, no, I've taken a Spartacus view on it. You know, <laughs> yeah. This is my hill I've chosen to die. <laughs> uh, uh, along the way, I mean... If, you know, if the Kickstarter does not come to the point to where we want it to, uh-huh. uh, I don't believe that that's going to be... Good. Actually, it's not going to be the yeah. end. It's <laughs> just, I'll, I'll have to work harder to get the word out longer. Yeah. We'll probably try and take smaller steps to do that. Yeah. It's just that the publishing aspect of it and, uh-huh. and the environment that we have today, I know I looked at the, I looked at the money. Yeah. I'm like, this is more, you know, this is this is more than what people are used to paying. Yes. And we evaluate it. We still have to finish paying artists. Yeah. We still have to pay for the uh, the editor. Uh-huh. We still have to pay for them to finish doing, you know, all that. We still have to put everything together. Uh-huh. Printing costs are expensive, especially for a color book. Yeah. We are going to do a, uh, a PDF version of it. Uh-huh. We're also going to do a black and white soft cover. Uh-huh. Is what we're is all in the plans. Yeah. So I mean, you can see those on our Kickstarter, mm-hmm. you know, on, on, on tiers, each other, yeah. on our tiers. Yeah. Those are all interesting things that we're trying to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just a, it's not like a bunch of money and it's not like money in our pocket. This right. Money is going into books, and we're going to sell books. And yeah. the thing is, hopefully, to sell more books by by doing this. It's you know, if by some magical fate or fortune falls on the desk of somebody else that actually sees it uh-huh. and can believe or see it or wants to contact us and talk about it yeah. or even play a game. I mean, uh-huh. if Vin Diesel is hearing this or any of the guys <laughs> yeah. out there or Critical Role if you're listening. Yeah, Will Wheaton or yeah. Critical Role any of you guys out there that are hearing this. Uh, I don't think I, they're in our community, but th- yeah. That's okay. They, they hear from other people too. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Right. It, it, it's not just, oh, would you play with us? It's almost like a challenge. Come on and play with Come us. Right. Come an adventure. <laughs> I will know? throw so much at you. <laughs> you will oh, have yeah. so much fun. But, yes. I mean, the, like I said, it's not just the, the Kickstarter. It's getting out. Yeah. I mean, yes. Uh, this is, I would have to say that we didn't get out soon enough with the, uh, with our advertising and our marketing and everything. Uh-huh. And that That's, that's me. I wanted the, I wanted all the mechanics to be right. That's right. The, yeah, that's the the strangeness in me. It's like, no, it has to be right. You know? Perfectionist, yeah. You know, <laughs> you know it, my my creation cannot walk yet. You know, right. So by doing that, I mean that slowed us down in getting the word out first. But yeah. I I don't believe in bringing or preparing or showing a product. If you're not, if you're, you know, your game face isn't there. You can't play. Right. Yeah. You can't play. That totally makes sense. No, and so. it's if you, I think if you take lessons from it and. Try again, like you said. This is your hill. Oh yeah, <laughs> you know, so hill. just keep going. Yeah, Poor horsey, he's done already. Because right. <laughs> there's a reason even. we want yeah. with Argonauts. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. 
Awesome. Well, I hope that uh, this helps get the word out a little bit about it and people are able to go out and find more about it and really look into it. Where can people find you if they wanted to? I mean, obviously the Kickstarter. It's Terrorform, T-E-R-R-O-R-F-O-R-M, right? Correct. Pun intended. Pun intended. intended. (laughs) Yes. So there's the Kickstarter there. You also have a website. Yes, we do. It's ArgonautsIncorporated.com. And then we also have Instagram. And then we have our Facebook as well. So those are all places where you can find us, find uh-huh. where we're going to be at even, because yeah. we do have our events on our main website, on our Facebook, and then when we go on Instagram, we also do advertise them uh-huh. on there as well. And actually, if you go on any of those three places, there are links to all the other places as well. <laughs> it's a So web. if you find yes. one, yes, <laughs> yes. you can find the others. If you find others. one, you will find the others. Awesome. And it's all of your social media is under Argonauts Incorporated? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. And to make sure that people know they have the right place, what does your picture look like? It's a gold <laughs> ram, a gold as in the golden fleece. Yes. I was actually, my boyfriend, I was talking about it. And he's like, Argonauts as in Jason and the Argonauts. I was like, probably yes. they're nerds. So, <laughs> yeah. Yes. That's exactly what it is. Awesome. Literature. Right. <laughs> yes. So, okay. So, everyone, go check them out. Those are where you can find them on social media. Thank you guys so much for having me in your home here. Um, your cats are cute. Your couch is comfy. And until next time, we'll talk to you later. Thanks for listening and thanks for having me on.